Hello and welcome to this special edition of our OmniTalk Spotlight Series, where we are bringing you interviews with our top 20 Omni stars for 2022. The award was developed in partnership with Corso to recognize the top Omni channel operators based on the headlines and the work they are driving within their respective organizations. I am Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And we are pleased to welcome to the show today, Allison Peterson, the EVP and Chief Customer Officer for Best Buy. Allison, how does it feel to be named one of the top 20 Omnistars for 2022? Well, I was incredibly flattered and very humble. Thank you. Uh, Well-deserved, I have to say. Um, We've been following your work for quite a long time, um, not just because you're you're in our wonderful home state of Minnesota, but also uh, because of the strides that Best Buy has made through what have been probably the most challenging years in retail the last couple of years. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that's really well said, Anne. And, And we've been wanting to get you on the show for a while, so now we're finally doing it. So thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you. And I have to say, um, as well, I am obviously representing the work of so many people to bring it to life. So I view the award as an award to all of us. Awesome. Awesome. And at the end, we're going to ask you to pay it forward too. So yes, wait for that loyal OmniTalk listeners. Um, Well, Allison, before we get started, we want to give a special shout out to our partners at Corso, without whose support OmniStars would not have been possible. Corso is a tool your field leaders will actually thank you for. It turns all of their reports into personalized top priorities, then helps them take the right actions to boost performance. Learn how leaders at over 25,000 U.S. stores are saving time and driving impact at Corso.com. Okay, Allison. Before we get into this, I want to know a little bit about you. Let's start with you and your background, your career. Um, fill, fill us in. Well, it's a long one. It's all about <laughs> retail. Um, I'll try not to date myself too terribly. Um, I would, I guess I would say I've always been in customer facing roles, truly trying to drive change. So you could say I've been following the customer around. I'd like to think I've been hopefully not always following, but that's a little bit of kind of the consistent thread of my background. I started actually as a merchant um, with Dayton Hudson Corporation, uh, working for, I know, a company you both know very well, Target, and um, kind of grew up in the merchandising ranks there. And then came over to Best Buy, what will be almost 18 years ago this fall, which is hard to believe. And really started with the company when e-commerce represented 2% of their total revenue or our total revenue. And that and so it was um, at a completely different maturity, as you can imagine. And so I joined um, Best Buy in kind of a merchant marketing hybrid role okay. and spent several years in e-commerce here, kind of build, helping build out the channel and then decided that I really wanted to help advance digital on behalf of Best Buy. And one of the ways I knew that I could do that was from the marketing seat and mm-hmm. really um, transforming our marketing spend from analog to digital. And with Mm -hmm. that, working with all of our vendor partners to transform the way they thought about spending our co-op dollars together. And so I had about an eight year run in marketing and different types of jobs in both category marketing and brand marketing, and then was asked to come back to lead e-commerce, um, kind of back to my roots, um, to be able to kind of continue to drive that digital transformation forward. And then over the course of time, it evolved from um, leading e-commerce to then leading marketing as well as e-commerce. And then at the same time, we were building a little budding CX practice on the side. (laughs) And and then um, once the pandemic hit, 
um, our CEO, Corey Berry, asked that I step into this new role of chief customer officer and start what we refer to as the customer office. Now, I want to I want to know a little bit about that role, mm-hmm. Allison, because we hear it all the time at every single trade show. Oh, my gosh. Yes. We're asked. The, everybody says, you know, we the customer is at the heart of our business and we, we look at the customer to make our decisions. But why do you think that Corey and retailers like Best Buy feel like we need an executive in a customer role right now? Like how, what, what is your role involved that kind of answers that question? Yeah, I think, you know, when the pandemic hit, it became very, very obvious that we were going to need to put, you know, it's ironic that you should say at the heart of our decisions, because that is literally the vision and the objective of our team, which is to put the customer and the employee at the heart of everything we do. And in that time of crisis, it became clearer than ever that we had to prioritize those two things. And there was actually kind of three guiding principles we had in the pandemic and, you know, keeping our customer and employees safe and being completely focused on them was one of those. And so I think the timing was just incredibly important. And there was also this idea of moving the company from what we call customer aware to Mm -hmm. customer obsessed. And we purposely picked the word obsessed because it can be a little crazy and and it's exactly how we meant it, which is being aware or constantly thinking about the customer are two different things. Mm -hmm. And so it was really an act in trying to move our customer to kind of contemplate um, or move our our culture to contemplate the customer and the employee at, at the heart of everything we do and really be the tip of the spear of like all of our strategy. And so that was really the inception. And what does your role look like then? I mean, are you are you bridging a couple of different teams to make that happen? You talk about, you know, I love that you talk about employees as customers, you know, as well. Like they're held in the in the same to the same standard. But what does that look like for you and and the day to day and the teams you oversee? Yeah, it's a great question because I think what I've learned from my peers who have the same title is that our our roles and our remits all look a little bit different. I think we're all learning what's the right combination of functions to really bring what we're talking about to life. So if you think about what I own, um, right now I oversee enterprise strategy, customer strategy, customer experience, research and insights, our marketing efforts, and then our membership propositions. Wow. That's interesting too. And like, especially, I, I love that we start with your background too, because your background as of late has been much more, it sounds like heavily digitally focused, but now in this new role, as you just alluded to, there's probably a lot of, a lot of thinking where you have to bridge those divides, which is what being an OmniStar quite honestly is all about. And it's also why we partnered with Corsa the way we did, because they're very focused on the store side of, of making things as efficient as possible. So, so my question for you next would be like, how do you think about that role specifically as a chief customer officer and bringing innovation to market or being customer obsessed, as you said, particularly as you look at, you know, physical store innovation versus say digital only innovation. How do you, how do you sort through all of that? Sure. You know, I think the way I, I approach it is, is the idea of continually listening to our consumers, really anticipating their needs and then iterating is really table stakes to any sort of innovation you'd ever bring to market. And so for us, the goal is to really meet our customer kind of where they want to be met, whether that's in our stores or online or through our app or in their home. And what's most critical from our perspective is that when we do that, we truly make that experience seamless. And so that's kind of at the the crux of, of everything that we try to focus on. And we also know that, you know, consumer behavior has massively changed in the pandemic, but those behaviors are here to stay. Mm-hmm. And so we need to keep evolving our business model to keep pace and hopefully get in front of their evolving needs. 
Yeah. And the other point you mentioned too, and I thought Anne was, it was great that you picked up on it too. I was thinking the same thing was uh, the part about the, the employees as well as the customers. So I'm curious, like, you know, in your role, how do you involve the field leaders or the blue shirts, so to speak, you know, in the execution of what you're trying to do? How do you, how do you as, as a retail organization or as a retail leader in, incorporate them into the actions you're going to take? What's that process look like? Well, so I think very early on, as we started talking about customer obsession, we realized that you can't have customer obsession without having employee obsession. And so that's why we really talk about them together. And I do think this is where our company has really led in this space is the idea of thinking about those two things hand in hand. And so when we talk about some of the feelings we want our customers to feel when experiencing the brand, we want our employees to feel the same way because otherwise they can't deliver that on behalf of, of us to the customer. And so we really think about creating the right feedback loops with our associates. And, and truly they're the heroes of all of this. Uh, they're the ones on the front line. And over the past couple of years, that's been a challenging place to be. And so what we do is we, we kind of constantly listen and um, create the right loops so that we're evolving what we're hearing from them about their experience as well as the customer experience. And then we're adjusting to give them the right tools or if need be, we may even change policy or procedure so that they can really meet the needs of the customer in a meaningful way. So let me push you on that a little bit, you know, because like Anne said, you know, there's the whole nother level we want to get to this with in this conversation too. So I'd love, can you give us some examples of that? Like what are some examples of some of the work you and your store teams have done to make sure that the omni-channel shopping experience is as seamless as possible for your customers? Sure. Uh, one of the first examples that comes to mind, um, which I know you both are familiar with, is our curbside experience and the evolution right. of that over time. You know, really once the pandemic hit and we were deemed an essential business, we essentially pivoted the entire model to curbside yeah. in the span of about 48 hours. And, you know, prior to the really? Yeah, it really happened that fast. Yeah. You guys were the of, most bold on that too. Like you guys were one of the most bold and ready for that companies out there. I remember right. writing about that for Forbes. Yeah. And so when you think about that, you know, we were prior to the pandemic, we were testing at about 200 stores and you can imagine how long it took us to probably think about getting that to 200 stores. Right. And then in a time of clarity and crisis, you know, around keeping our employees and our customers safe, we realized that this was the best way to do it. And so we were able to roll this capability to all of our stores and then listened and measured both the customer and the employee experience and continued to iterate on it. And what we found was it was one of those experiences that customers just loved and they still, still continue to love it. You know, I always joke that um, it's, I've worked here a long time and when we do something really well, you're going to hear about it from your friends and family. We also hear when we do it not so well, but in this instance, when we do it really well, I got more personal calls and emails about the curbside experience that people in my lives had had during that time where they needed their technology and wanted to be and wanted to feel safe. And they just thought it was such an um, excellent experience for kind of what they were trying to accomplish. That's great. Yeah. I'm curious too. I, I'm curious what, what, if you have any other examples too, because like one thing that I wanted to ask you about in, in advance of the show that I was curious about was total tech. I was wondering if you could talk about like that, because that's again one that bridges the divide. You've got to have the store teams bought in on that. Mm -hmm. You've got to figure out how to way to sell it to your customers, both probably online and in store. And then you got to deliver on it too. Like that one fascinates me. So I don't know. I'd love to hear about that one as well. Sure. Well, this one's near and dear to my heart because our Is team, okay. our team, uh, our membership team worked very closely on this. But I think one of the most exciting things about Total Tech is it was created by customers. 
And it really? okay. leveraged, awesome. you know, we did so much qualitative and quantitative research around, you know, how do customers want to feel when purchasing technology? And, you know, what we find is there's a lot of stress in purchasing technology, you know, and a lot of people are very focused on getting people into the right products. But what we heard from our customers is, I actually want to make sure I buy the right thing, but then I want to make sure you're with me as I own me mm. this technology because it's complex and it's confusing. And so whether something breaks or I need support and I can't have my network up and running, they really said, you know, I just want to feel confident at the end of the day when I buy this technology because it's usually, you know, a pretty meaningful investment for, for my family. So we created this proposition that really covers what I would say is suite of very differentiated offerings, anywhere from free warranty if something breaks. I mean, that's you know free Apple Care when you buy Apple devices. Uh, it's free Geek Squad support, kind of twenty four seven. We have a VIP uh, phone and chat dedicated line that if you need support, you can get immediately to someone. And then there's other sorts of benefits too that are really important to customers, like shipping and member pricing. But the intent was to create a program that's so compelling and meeting their needs that why would they ever buy their technology anywhere else? Uh, I think that you started to answer the next question already, Allison. Uh, this is this is Allison's first podcast and she's nailing it. Like yeah, she doesn't right? even need right? to have like, yeah. So you talk about like that being a great example of how you're evolving based on what your customer's expectations are. I'm, I'm wondering again, like how you use those, the, all of the consumer experience research that you're doing, how do you use what you think the customer is going to want to kind of develop the strategy for the best buy business going forward? Yeah. Um, what, how would you, how, how do you kind of think about that? So I think uh, you're pushing on something that's we know inherently to be true, which is the customer is evolving so quickly and there is so much unknown in everything we're facing that the only way we can continue to iterate our strategy is by just being completely linked to the customer and constantly listening and listening at all levels, paying attention to what's happening in the macro, you know, looking outside of our four, you know, virtual walls paying deep attention to what our customers and our employees are telling us internally and using all of that, you know, we really have learned the importance of flexibility and willing, you know, a willingness to be able to move and iterate and that that's the only way we're going to continually meet their expectations. And, and I think this mindset that change is here to stay mm -hmm. and we need to really get comfortable with it. So this old model of kind of like set it and forget it, it just mm -hmm. doesn't exist anymore. You can't really get comfortable in the thing that's working today because you have to be thinking about what's going to be, how it's going to be working two to three years from now. And right. so that's a whole new challenge for management teams. And I think this idea of it not being about the people in the room making the decisions, but letting our customers and employees help us decide by putting their voice into the center of our decision-making is just a, a completely different way of about thinking about solving problems. Yeah. So I want to ask you more about that too, because I, you brought up something that was always top of mind when Ann and I were working on store of the future at Target, which is, you know, you want to be iterative in your approach, right? But then when you start talking about physical retail store operations, where the physical substrate of the store, the architecture of the store is such a fixed and finite thing mm -hmm. that it becomes difficult to actually treat the physical store operation with that type of mindset. I'm, I'm curious, what advice would you have in relation to that problem? Or what are some things you've, you've done within Best Buy that help people overcome that or break free of that barrier to still treat their stores like an iterative Petri dish, so to speak? Yeah. I mean, I think that is a, uh, 
a, a very good question and a hard one. Right. And I think we're still figuring it out ourselves. I think what's interesting is this idea of, you know, bridging the physical and the digital worlds and what can you learn digitally? Cause it, because it is so much easier to iterate digitally and how can you take some of that mindset into thinking as we work on physical formats, whether that's like modularity or thinking about concepts that just have more flexibility in them mm-hmm. is kind of the first thing I would say. And then the second thing is, you know, what's really interesting is some of the new technology coming online, like take the metaverse. The metaverse is kind of opening up our whole aperture in terms of being able to reimagine ways you could get um, insights on physical environments without building mm-hmm. them out physically. Mm-hmm. And so I was with my team on this probably a week or two ago and our, our leader of technology and the use cases in that are just, it feels like endless. And we're all trying to figure out what our role is within the metaverse. But I right. think this, that's all separate. That three of us. Yeah, right. <laughs> that feels like a separate podcast. But I, <laughs> right. think, I think this like idea- a psychology session, actually. <laughs> fair. I think that this idea of what, um, how can we iterate without the expense and the time it takes in the physical world and leveraging digital assets is, is something that's super interesting. And then we, we also have some things we've brought online with the virtual store um, over this past year where we're bringing products into people's homes. We have a virtual store that's essentially merchandised and we have experts in those virtual stores that are able to bring digital shoppers the expertise of our associates right into their home. And so I think there's other ways that we can continue to iterate like that as it relates to some of solving some of the physical problem experiences. Another aspect of it too, is actually like the cognitive dissonance in the mind of the store employee, as they're dealing with all these iterative changes and approaches at that store level too. How do you guys think about that in terms of making the landing for being involved in what is basically great innovation, essentially, because, you know, any innovation for the most part is, is a good thing to do. How do you keep their minds, you know, well-focused and, and, and um, uh, well-kept, you know, under that type of situation? Because it is tough. It's tough for the store employees to, to mine through all that, all, I think all that, those issues. I, I think that's right. I um, would, uh, I should share this award and this comment with our leader who runs all of our retail operations who his name is Damian Herman. He's an amazing leader and he has a very important principle in the way he leads, which is transparency. And I think this idea of being transparent with our, our associates on what we're trying to do and why most importantly, really helps them navigate not only the changes that we need to rapidly make in the environments that they're having to manage, but also you know, how they need to treat our customers. And then they can give us feedback real time. But I do think this idea of just transparency of why you're doing things is something that feels like for us a really big unlock. I've, I think we have, a, you know, retailers, we have a history of what, like, please go do this without right. the why. Execute and I it. think the why gets a whole different level of ownership. And then because we've created those feedback loops, they can tell us what they think about the why. Right. And so creating that dialogue with that transparency in mind is something I think he and his team have done incredibly well. And I think um, that's how one of the reasons why, not to mention a really resilient employee base, amazing, amazingly talented associates, but that's, I think, at least made it um, so that they understand the context of which they're operating in. Right. 
Well, Allison, I, again, you've already, is that your pay it forward? If we were asking you, if, if, if there's anybody else on the ground, who's been instrumental to the work, it sounds like Damien might be that individual, but is there anybody else out there that you'd like to shout out as, you know, really being best in class and delivering and delivering for and delighting your customers? Well, I would say you should know he's a podcast expert, right? So maybe we just teed up one of your next guests on okay. like amateur right. myself. So maybe I um, just paid that forward for you and for him. But uh, no, I mean, we have, there are so many people. I, I think what's really, really strikes me after being in retail my whole career is that this idea of team sport could not be more relevant now you know, before you can have really well run websites and really well run stores and really well run, you know, um, service capabilities, but that's not the customer's expectation. They expect no matter how they engage with you for it to just be seamless. Mm -hmm. And that requires a level of partnership and cross-functional teaming that is kind of next level. You know, it's the, the, um, omni-channel nature of it is, has never been more relevant. And it really is like the next iteration of it. And, you know, that's a little bit of what we've tried to optimize for in our structure is bringing, you know, design both physical and digital together in one team to try to really think systemically, how do we think that way on behalf of the customer? So yes, Damien and and our omni-channel team is a huge piece of the success of what we're talking about today. But obviously, you know, we've talked, we touched around it, the associates, and what they bring to our customers on behalf of us every day is, is, is I'd like to say, I like to call them the heroes. Yeah. Right. It's funny too. Like if I read subtly between the lines, you happen to say something that, that I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's something that I agree with too, which is it, it kind of challenges the convention of the traditional merchant led retail organization in a lot of ways that it's far more than the merchants that matter to do retail. Well, um, I'm curious. I want to get you out of here on this. We've had you on the hot seat here now for probably about 20 minutes or so. Um, What's, what's the one piece of advice you would give to people as, you know, all the retailers listening, particularly, uh, you know, as they're trying to figure out where to take their organizations next from an omni-channel perspective, what, what, what would that be? You know, I think that one of the things that is a tension in this work is sometimes you have to slow down to speed up mm-hmm. because sometimes stopping to ask the employee or the customer the question slows down a decision someone's trying to make. Mm -hmm. And so what I would advise is take the time to ask the question. It is so well worth it. You can save so much time and money by just asking another question or two. So my advice would be to make the space for it. And sometimes in those moments, it's hard to say like, whoa, 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 we got to go do some research. We got to do something, you know, let us see what we have on the shelf. Let's go ask an external resource. You know, that isn't the always the most popular, um, you know, conversation in the room, but I can tell you time and time again, that has worked very well for us. And so I guess that would be what I would leave you with. Is there an example you can share that's very palpable to you where that, that approach really paid off or you learned something from doing that? You know, ironically, curbside's a really good example of this. So if you were to rewind the tape years back, we were having this real dilemma about lockers or curbside. Mm. And I think we were all on a massive tear around lockers and lockers are important. They have a role to play, Mm -hmm. but we were in this, in this conversation, we were thinking about one or the other and what we should expedite and slowing down and asking the customer, we did a pretty big body of research on this. 
and found out that the idea of curbside was like the ultimate expression of convenience for people. And that was before the pandemic. So what happened was we had to slow down some decision-making prior to a time of crisis. And then when we got into it, we had already, we had already had these 200 stores in play. And so because we had slowed down to do the work in whatever timeframe that was, when we hit the moment, we really needed the answer. We were able to roll it out with a level of confidence that wouldn't have existed had we not slowed down and asked the question. And so that's just one example that, um, and there's many others, but I think it's a, a pretty compelling one. Yeah, it's great. I love that example too. And and the other part about it too, is you said, it's not necessarily a mutually exclusive choice. It's not either or, right? It's just what decision do you want to come before the other one, which I think is an important thing to call out too, as you you navigate this landscape, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. All right. Well, that wraps us up. Thanks to Allison Peterson, the chief customer officer at Best Buy and one of the top 20 Omnistars for 2022 for sitting down with us today. And as always, everyone listening, thanks for tuning in and be careful out there.